there's so much that you have to navigate from because you're going from a student or a child to the adult world because they're 18, right? They're changing eight to 18. So the preparation time starts back when they're like 14. You start preparing for all these changes. And then when it happens and you still have, you know, continuous changing for a few years as it gets disabled into whether it's an education or support or, you know, employment supports or whatever. Welcome to the Organized Success Podcast brought to you by LiveBinders. You just heard a clip from our invited guest speaker, LiveBinders user, Patty Schramm, describing the challenges many parents of teens with disabilities face in order to prepare for life beyond high school graduation. For many parents, this can be extremely overwhelming. Patty Schramm is the founder of SALT Resources Solutions. SALT stands for School to Adult Life Transition. In our podcast today, we will share how Patty and her collaborator, Michelle Cadle, work together to use LiveBinders to help parents easily find the enormous amount of resources they need to better prepare their teens for adult life. You'll hear Patty bring her experience as a mother who also transitioned her own child into the adult support system and her knowledgeable insight about all the services available to parents. Patty has invited one of her district liaisons, Andrea Harker, to join us who is the school-to-work employment specialist for residential and family services with the Montgomery County Board of Developmental Disabilities in the state of Ohio. Please join Linda Hool and I, along with Hector Vigera, who is our sound engineer today, for this very informative podcast as we welcome Patty Schramm, Michelle Cadle, and Andrea Harker. So my name is Patty Schramm. I'm the parent resource trainer for basically Southwest Ohio. We have several counties. I work with um, Andrea, who'll be introducing herself soon, but you know, Montgomery, um, and we have Green. Warren, Butler, and Dark County are specifically the main ones, but we have a lot of counties that tie in. Um, but I'm the resource trainer for those areas for SALT, <laughs> School to Adult Life Transition. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm Andrea Harker, and I work for Montgomery County Board of Developmental Disability Services. And about seven years ago, I took a new position in the agency to become a school to work employment specialist. So for about the past seven years, I've worked with Patty. Um, I run the student section called the SALT Teens, the SALT Teens Talks. So Patty and I do a lot of work together coordinating that. Hi, I'm Michelle, um, and I've been assisting Patty with uh, different tasks and stuff uh, for about the last two years. Welcome everyone and, and ask you guys, how did you, or Patty, I guess I should say, Patty, how did you discover live binders and um, tell us how you started using them? Uh, and, and I know, I don't know if how much Andrea had crossed them before, but it kind of came, we meet in uh, central, well, it was in Southwest Ohio. We have a local leaders group and within that local leaders group, there's various um, organizations that attend um, that are part of Ohio. And one of the members of that group suggested after we had started the SALT program, I think we had been running about a year or two, um, mentioned that maybe we should add a live binder. And I didn't know what they were at that time. And uh, they said that um, some of the other organizations in Ohio had been using them. Um, some of them were school related. 
One was, um, we call it the DODD, which is an Ohio um, Developmental Disabilities. It's uh, for the you know, state of Ohio, DODD. Um, but they were using it, different ones were using it and they mentioned it to me about introducing it. So I heard it through, I guess, a grapevine kind of, I guess, idea. Um, and so then I started researching it. And then over the summer, while we had some downtime, I started working on it, trying to create a live binder. And of course, then we went from there. Um, and I don't know with Andrea, with the school and yours, if you heard it of it before they started mentioning it in local leaders, but yeah, that's where we started with it for us. I had not had much um, experience with live binders, nor have I done much with it, but I have heard about it. And I know that Patty has spent a great deal of time combining all this information so that everybody can, can access this. Like what does the, the SALT acronym stand for? And, and, and tell us about this program that you're doing and organizing all these resources for. So SALT stands for school to adult life transition. So you have a period of time when families are faced with their children leaving school, the school situation, and Andrea can jump in on this as well, is the school situation is that they have IEPs, the teachers and staff and, and everything, you know, in a school situation is totally different as then they transition into the adult world. That transition part is very, very, confusing, difficult to navigate. So, I mean, I, I can see this for all parents, but you guys are specifically targeting um, students with need, special needs, right? Yes. That's correct. Let's and put your website up while we're talking about this, because I want to kind of promote that <laughs> a little bit. Before SALT, how would parents prepare their kids? Like, well, I guess that's there. There is, so one of the things that we found, like as a parent myself, and Andrea, feel free to chime in, but there are a lot of programs, there's a lot of resources, but tying it all together and having parents be able to find them is where it's very tricky because I was totally lost. I mean, I didn't know where to begin kind of idea where SALT <clears throat> brings it kind of together and helps you through the stages and the steps. There's transition programs, like, and I'm not sure what they did before we actually created the SALT in Montgomery County, but I know there, there's some means of transition programs out there. It's just, we tried to take it to the next level to be a main resource for staff and families. And Andrea, go feel free to jump in. There. I'm going to jump in now, Tina and everyone else. I've been with Montgomery County for going on 18 years now, and I've done a lot of casework. And what we have noticed over many years, I think this can be all accounts and in, in all the all the states in the United States and all across the world, is a lot of times students are exiting high school, and particularly in the state of Ohio, you can. If you're a parent, you can have that option to keep your child in school until they're the age of 22. Maybe they can do some different transition programs in the high school, learning work skills or doing different things. But, you know, the big thing is parents maybe would not reach out to agencies for help mm -hmm. after they have left high school. And they're like, well, what do we do now? You know, this is, you know, school is maybe, quote unquote, been my daycare or my kids have had something to do. 
you know, over the last, you know, 17, 18 years or had somewhere to go except for the summertime. So, you know, we have noticed that a lot of times, you know, students are sitting at home after they've left school. Then you run into problems of, well, gosh, you know, I need to get my child on, you know, SSI or what do I do if my child has to go to the hospital and he or she can't make decisions for themselves? You, you start getting questions about guardianship and, hey, you know, my, my child would like to work in the community. Or we have had dehabilitation places where people could go after high school. In the state of Ohio, they were called quote unquote workshops, but now we call them dehabilitation places. And I'm going to jump a little bit now back into the SALT um, series. Local Leaders was put together, I think, late 2012, going into 2013, with the group of a lot of different counties coming up and doing this work called, the, they developed an initiative called the School to Adult Life Resource, or the School to Adult Life Transition Series, and that is where Patty came into place. And that kind of, kind of segued into... 2013, our governor wanted all the state of Ohio dehabilitation providers to start closing down Mm. so that if your student has a disability, when they graduate high school, they have the first option to work and not go into a workshop type setting. So Ah, interesting. Yeah. Segwaying kind of back to the start of local leaders, they came up with like four deliverables, not initiatives like maybe an employer engagement group in the school to adult life series, interagency collaboration. We also had another area where we had some staff from a couple of different county boards get certified to look at individuals and benefits analysis, i.e. if they're receiving social security and they don't want that money impacted, then they're going to sit down with somebody to look at their benefits and, hey, maybe you can work 15 hours a week or 55 hours a month, and that will not impact your monthly SSI check. Mm -hmm. So what we have found, kind of crossing over, transition is a big thing. What we have found since the Employment First Initiative, where families have that, families or students have that first choice to work instead of going to a dehabilitation site. With this whole school to adult life series, a lot of parents and educators have been able to attend these monthly meetings to learn about guardianship, to learn about social security, to learn about what is out there after high school, to learn about becoming eligible for a variety of agencies. There have been so many different topics month to month that we have done, and we've had a wonderful you know, audience of parents, educators, and people coming from different counties to learn about the SALT series or just about what we're doing in general. And so that's kind of you know, where I kind of feel like things have kind of come into play. Yes. Would you say um, that these parents were pretty familiar that it was going to shut down? Was that pretty much common uh, knowledge at that time? I, I, I think it was not common knowledge, but, you know, we do have families out there that don't receive emails, that don't have the technology capabilities, or maybe sometimes they don't always read their mail. We relied a lot on the schools to, to bring out that information as well as our own caseworkers. I think that families knew about this, Tina, but I think what the, what the concern was, was what's going to happen to my child when these places close down? Yeah, what? You know, what then, then you have exactly. parents, then you have parents too, who are like, 
well, my child can't work in the community. What if somebody is mean to them? So, you know, there was a lot of resistance and, and what I can kind of flip-flop around, Tina, is all of those workshops that were closed down, <clears throat> they were bought out by different providers. So the state could no longer run those workshops. So we have different providers who purchase those buildings and have their own staff in so, oh, so it became private, yeah, it became privatized. That's correct. I see. Wow. So, you know, but we as a county board have tried to, you know, stress that, you know, hey, listen, your child, you know, has the opportunity to work to work instead of going to, you know, a workshop. So uh, one thing that I was interesting to me, uh, Patty, that you said was, you know, three months before graduation. Yeah you were kind of like realizing, hey, what, what are we going to do? And I assume that you were a parent who knew about what was going on. But even, I mean, all of, all of us are kind of like, you know, always thinking, what are we going to do? You know, the, the end is near, you know, the, the transition is, is about to happen. And I would imagine that that's probably the most common emotion that you've got with parents is how do I even make this transition to life after academics, right? Because yeah, academics right. structures all of our lives. Right. And it was like, how, where do I begin? How do I begin? Like Andrea mentioned, some families are like, you know, they have their child and it's like, they leave school. It's like, what are they going to do? Just sit and watch TV all day. Many of them would be comfortable with that. You know, <laughs> um, the, the kids would be comfortable with that, but it's like, you don't want that in the sense of you want them to socialize. You want them to be out in the community. You want them to be not abused in the community, but you want to know what's out in the community, what's available to them, the services, the recreation, events, clubs, you know, you want to know what's out there. Um, and not all families, we, you know, we don't know where to tap, where to ask. One, one family said this, you know, all the information's great, um, but we never knew what to ask. You know, it's like hmm. you mm -hmm. didn't know you could ask so I try to tell families, if you're coming across a situation, a concern, or anything, Jimmy likes to play chess, what do we do? You know, anything, or just ask your, if you're connected with the County Board of Development of Disabilities, or whoever you work with when your son or daughter as they're growing up and, you know, get older, just ask them anything, and they can tap you into possibly a service that can help with whatever your concern is or whatever you are looking to do. But we never know what's available or what even to start to ask about. And that's where families get stuck. And a lot of families I've talked to, we have a lot of families that come to our meetings. Andrea Crick will State will be down with the students and she would come up after the student session was done. And as our meeting was finishing up, so that family, so we would try to get them connected if they weren't connected with the County Board of Developmental Disabilities or answer any questions. And so many times after a presentation, there's so much information, like say on social security, or we talk about guardianship, we have an attorney talk or something like that. I've seen parents, they have this look on their face and I'm like, are you all right? And they're like, so overwhelmed by all the information suddenly that, hey, we got to do something. We didn't know we needed to do this, you know, right. or- Right. So depending on what their situation is or what their what's 
the topic was that night or where they're at, I'll get them with Andrea or make sure they talk to the presenter or make sure they talk with, Andrea mentioned benefit analysis, usually they're attending um, and they know a little, they know how to tie in services with their social security or Medicaid or Medicare, whatever, you know. So we try to get them with that or eligibility. We had a number of people and Andrea can attest where we had to get people, they came and they hadn't been receiving services and they were older students. Mm. And it's like, here, you need to start with the eligibility process yeah. and get them connected. We had a lot of those, didn't we, Andrea? Oh so that's... my goodness. And you know what we've learned, Tina, is, 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 you know, and I used to be in this department when you're in our particular county with our county board, and this probably varies state to state in different counties, but I was talking earlier about how when the, when the baby or the child is born at the hospital, and maybe it's recognized there's some type of disability or delay, then they are connected with somebody from our agency. So, so what will happen is maybe this family will stay involved with our agency until they're four or five. Mm. Maybe it was a small delay or a long delay or whatever. But then at when you turn by the age six, when that previous caseworker would reach out with a letter or a phone call, hey, listen, now you need to go through the second part of our eligibility piece. Maybe you've got families out there that move around a lot. Maybe you have families out there, parents that are like, you know what? Uh, my child doesn't have that disability anymore. There's no reason for them to be involved with this agency. Or families just think, oh, I'll eventually do that process whenever. Hmm. So hmm. then you lose a significant amount of students when they're turning six and going into the elementary school age. So then I feel like all we do is backtrack all of elementary school, getting those kids back that we lost from our early intervention PACE program. Right. It sounds then like maybe. Yeah. So then maybe you get them re-eligible again between six and 14. Well, the same thing happens again when they turn 16, because some of those delays that were diagnosed or, you know, maybe the, the disabilities or delays, maybe things have changed. Maybe therapy has helped out. You never know what the exact situation is. So then they have to go through another eligibility redetermination at age 16. The same thing happens. People move. Parents right. think my child, they don't need services anymore. Why should we do this referral again? Or you get parents that are like, why do I have to do this again? But, you know, that is challenging. But, you know, things can change sometimes between the age of four and 16. Some things may change small. Some things may change significant. So then you get a handful of people lost again between the ages of 15 and 17 or parents don't, you know, are not comfortable getting involved with our agency again to learn about these services. So then part four, they graduate high school. Well, gee, what's my kid going to do? I'm just going to drive them to one of the workshops tomorrow or when, you know, when school starts back and they can go there. Well, you have to become eligible. You have to provide documentation. You know, what is it you want for your son and daughter as they continue to move on? And there are so many other services inside that that I won't even touch upon. But mm -hmm. those are kind of the, some of the unfortunate parts where you lose people. But a long answer, Patty, to your short statement, eligibility is a huge piece of salt. People have tons of questions. Yeah, and it seems, what I'm hearing is if you stay with the program, 
Mm-hmm. You, the chances of success, and I'll let you guys define success, but I think it's independence for your child, eligibility mm-hmm. for services, um, being a part of the community, that there's more success if you hold on, stay with the program in your community is what I'm right. hearing. And that seems to be the biggest struggle. That, yeah. that is, I feel that's the biggest struggle in our county. I mean, Patty, did you notice that in Butler County too, out of curiosity? Yeah, we, we get a lot of people for doing, going through the eligibility process. We recently had, I'm going to say recently, it, it, it was right before COVID started this whole process. But anyway, I was happened to be talking to somebody and their son was going to, had DD services they thought he could go to college while well, he didn't make it, you know, so he kind of stopped services back when he left high school. He went to the college world. He didn't succeed. He needed supports that he didn't have. They thought that he could, he could do it on his own, which he really couldn't. He came back and he was living at home in his pajamas, playing games. And the mom, I was talking to the mom one day And she's like, I don't know what to do. She says, I'm going to have to start looking for a job. She said, this is, I don't know what to do. And I asked her, you know, we started the conversation. Have you talked to the county board of DD? Was he getting services? So we started getting her connected, got through the eligibility process. And um, of course, then COVID hit and things got delayed, but I kept connecting with her and she would put an application and didn't hear anything. And I said, well, hang on. So we connected the the presenter of that topic and they would check on it. And it was just COVID had delayed a lot of the processes and the applications, but we got it moving to the point now they're looking at jobs and was a pro- it was like, gosh, that was, uh, I think I started speaking with her almost a year ago and he's just now getting services and getting out to that work process of applications and things like that at at this point, COVID slowed a lot of stuff down, but yeah. that kind of thing, you know, they, they're there, like a- Andrea said, they might be part of the deed, the county developmental disability services, but then for whatever reason, they step away and then they have to go through the eligibility process again, but they lost so much time in that transition piece and it could have been so much easier. That was the hard way of doing it. It could have been so much easier had they followed along and just um, stayed and with it in yeah. contact. There's a lot with families. I don't want to say denial, but they think it will work out. I agree, Patty. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but we, you know, as a parent, you're like, well, maybe they'll outgrow this or maybe yeah. something will change or this or that, you know, there's like so many what ifs or, and you kind of put things off until you realize that when it's, it's not happening, yeah, <laughs> you right. have to step in and do something. And then that's when, that's when you get the panic calls or I'm not sure how many Andrea has gotten, but parents are like crying. They don't know what to do. And then you have to just kind of back up and start where they left off or where they're at and say, okay, let's take one step at a time. Cause it is a process to go through. It's just unfortunate the older, when you get close to that 18 and their graduation and things like that, you're really jamming a lot of eligibility processes and understandings in a short time to make the transition. Whereas if they started at 14 and learned, got that education the whole way up through step-by-step, step, it's a lot more, it's a lot of information that you can decipher easier. <laughs> it just, 
like social security, you can't hear that presentation once. I think I've heard it 20 times and I always learn something and laws and legal things are always changing. So you're always involved with that too, because this wording has changed or that, you know, requirements change, you know, and so it's something to keep up with. So let's use this time to kind of transition to Linda going over your binder because your binders are like an encyclopedia for a parent. And I don't know if you go over like how they can search through a binder or what the success is um, with your parents using your binders. If you want to, let's have Linda kind of go through because she went through your binder and, and uh, I know she had some questions about it because this is something that you would provide for the parents. Yeah, when we were meeting live, I would usually have it up on the screen and I'd try to go to like, say the topic for that night was stable account or social security, I'd go to that tab and try to say, here's where you can find all this information, you know, trying to have them um, understand where to find it um, and where to locate and what's in there, just trying to get them familiar. We have a big turnover of families. So where I talked to one family, maybe two years ago that might have been, you know, in, you know, then you get the next year, you get a whole new set of families because they're, they're constantly, you know, changing, going through high school, graduating, going to employment, you know, and there's like a rotation of new families that come in. So when we were meeting live, I was able to go over it a lot easier. Um, Although for, is one of the things was, was going virtual now. It looks like it may be a while. We may have to just do a virtual session, you know, to get everything in. Right. Specifically. Do you have them, do you show them the search tab at the top there, the search tool? I have, yes. Okay. Um, like I said, the families of today might've been different than the families of yeah. that attended, you know, right. that's the only thing um, with the constant changing. Um, we do have a lot of like Andrea being one, um, different teachers, educators, different ones that have, that have introduced the live binder families, you know, they will also show them. So it's not just me showing them, it's educators also showing where to find certain things, or they use it as a reference themselves. Do you have a method to the way that you organize your binders? We put the, we put the schedule at the beginnings, the most pertinent, like the most current, like, yeah, so the SALT talks and the SALT teens talk, um, we're going to be getting ready to change this um, schedule for the following year. But then we put the um, all the current uh, presentations and stuff under like the SALT talks 2020 and SALT teens talks. You know, anything that we receive from presenters, we'll put in there. Um, and as the year progresses, then we'll move them down into a main tab, depending on who presented. So security, whatever. We'll, and I put the flyers in there so people can see, you know, who spoke and everything. And then you start with the acronyms. You know, you have the A's, the acronyms, assistive technology. You know, uh, we. Um, yeah, that would be useful for me. <laughs> I don't think yeah. anybody realizes how many acronyms there are just, you know, for special needs. And everybody has their own. You might have the acronyms for developmental disabilities, but then when you're talking to Social Security, they have a whole different ball, you know, another group, you know, it's all the different organizations have their own acronyms. And I found when I sat in on like an IEP meeting or they call them um, 
it's the student's educational plan or an individualized plan when they get out of school, you know, they'll throw out acronyms and I'm sitting there trying to think, okay, they said OOD, what was that standing for? And I'm sitting there trying to think of what it stood for and they're done, you know, (laughs) 15 minutes, they're done. And it's like, okay, I'm so lost, you know? So it's like trying to put the acronyms in somewhere that parents could like at least reference it, you know, that they could pull it up, whether it be on their phone, print out the paper, whatever, you know, at least they could have, I did tell them though, if they say an acronym, stop them and ask them what it stands for. And don't just sit there trying to figure it out. This is one of the helpful things that I spotted immediately. But one of the things um, that I really enjoyed um, was, where was it? Oh, here it is. Having the kids, this part where the kids are part in your videos. Yeah. So the presenter provided some of the videos. So we try to put the links in there. That's what, this is where Michelle helps me out a lot. Um, And she can talk on that too, is how she'll upload like whatever we receive from the presentation, you know, then we load it into a Google drive. We have several, we try to be sensitive and be, have several methods that parents can reference things. Mm-hmm. So the immediate, what's going on right now, we have our SALT Google Drive. So we'll upload the current presentation to that, the videos. And at the same time, Michelle will load them under the SALT Talks. So they can, if they're active with the live binder, they can go in here and look at it as well. Right. Um, I, I think that's so valuable because if they've seen it at a session, they know they can go back and catch it again because it, you know, a repeat view is helpful. Yeah. And sometimes you miss things or with in case of our families or staff, you know, sometimes they have to step away because they have an emergency or something happens during that hour, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, but trying to keep them tuned into anything that happens or has gone on or talked about is a goal. Yeah, those are some things we started taking right. off because COVID changed everything. We're yeah. like going through trying to see, okay, this doesn't apply anymore and trying to find these different things. Out of curiosity, you have your SALT teens activities, which have been obviously upended with uh, COVID, but how did the kids take to that portion of your, how did the kids take to that portion of your program and being able to get together outside of school to talk about, you know, to get to know each other and about themselves as they look ahead. You can probably, cause you, she worked with the kids right down in there. I know from the parents' perspective, they loved having the kids getting together and meeting and the kids would actually ask to go, Hey parents, you know, tonight's salt, let's go, you know, and that kind yeah. of thing. But um, Andrea, you can elaborate on Oh my goodness, this is so popular. The saltines have been so popular. We didn't really officially come up with a name until probably three or four years ago. But when the salt series started seven years ago, um, we started having, you know, the kids come downstairs to do something fun with them for several reasons, you know. You know, parents may want to be, you know, they want to listen to what's being talked about. They, it's also a great time to network and meet other families and just kind of having a support system. Yeah. So what we started doing um, is putting together activities um, and, and, and different activities each month. You know, one month we may practice job interview skills. 
one month we may have a guest speaker come in and talk about what it's like to get your driver's license. We may do an art or craft. Um, the past couple of years, when we've had our last session in May, I brought, got food in and we would play cornhole and just talk about, hey, what are we going to do this summer, guys? Can't wait to see you, you know, in September and stuff like that. So, and it always would bring a wide variety of students together. Um, the only challenges that I have faced when I have ran the saltines is you tend to get a lot of people coming in late. So typically I may not, now I don't really start the actual program until 6.15 or 6.30. Cause every time you get started, you've just got more people coming yeah. in the middle or the end, which is, you know, pretty common. Number two, um, I usually have a job coach helping me um, do these, you know, do these sessions. Um, maybe a, a concern or a, you know, a wrinkle has been, maybe there've been somebody there with some behaviors and or uh, meaning i.e. a behavior, maybe they're just, you know, they need to walk around for an hour. They need to walk circles for an hour and you don't want to leave them alone because our first and foremost concern when parents are dropping the students off, they have to sign in. And I'll typically check, you know, hey, does your son or daughter have an allergy? Does your son or daughter need to be reminded to use the restroom? You know, just because even though the parents are upstairs two floors up, you still, you know, you're responsible for those students for an hour, hour and a half. So you want to always, you know, have safety first. So jumping back to what I'm teaching to, to the group that's coming in that night for that topic, sometimes you have to make some adjustments to, to you know, include everybody. So sometimes you got to be quick on your feet. Hey, you know, not everybody um, may not be able to write this answer down. So let's, you know, take our turns and then somebody can help write, you know, help somebody write this answer down on their paper. So just kind of have to be quick on your feet and juggle a little bit. Right. Um, it helps out that I'm a talker. So, uh, you know, I can be like, hey, it's okay, no problems, or just trying to make everybody feel at home right away. But then again, I, I feel that safety is important for all the students, even though their parents are a couple of stories up because you, you just don't know if there's any updates on medication or allergies or et cetera. Anything, um, in, anything in particular that you want to highlight on your binder since we have it open? I think Linda picked this <clears throat> one uh, because it uh, was most recently updated, I think. So is there backwards? There's we're actually getting ready to do another backwards planning is very popular it, with many um, the, in Ohio. I think and it's it's across the country as well. There's um, with the employment first, they use the backwards planning. Some of the staff will use backwards planning. Um, we're getting ready to have another presentation. So some of that will get updated um, this next next week is we'll have someone speaking on backwards planning, but yeah, there's different programs. Um, some of it changes. Some of it has been kind of stalled because of COVID. Some of them, um, as we go have another presentation, I'll change it out. We check the links every so often, just looking for links that, um, you know, maybe has changed. So we go through as best we can trying to keep up with, you know, the different changes. Yeah, yeah, I just, I look at how much content is here and that's why we brought up the search term because if, you know, any parent saying, where did I see that, that mm -hmm. would be very valuable just with the unbelievable amount of information 
that parents need access to. And that's the beauty of this binder is bringing all of this into one location. But I can imagine the challenge of keeping it up to date. Yeah, it is. And as we go through presentations, um, one thing I do want to point out before you lose, if you go down to the very bottom um, under recreation support groups, the, the middle, yeah, that one, um, we try to put the recreation at the back. And if you go to one of the things we've added is this. If you go to the RAAC community flyers, Dropbox, some of them, and then click on the, the, the link. Um, some of them have the, they're starting to use these drop boxes ah. for activities. So you can look up within the binder. You can also look up activities that are going on um, that okay. they'll, they'll load. Um, so I noticed a lot of groups are starting to do that. So we're trying to pick up on those as well, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, newsletters you know we try to include newsletters although sometimes i notice the newsletters with covid so many activities have gone virtual um that you know some things are just not happening right now um some of the activities you know the night to shine isn't happening this year yeah that was a coloring book that i that butler county put out um that i thought would be helpful for some of the students, but yeah, just trying to find things that you know, we have such a wide variety of families and needs and, you know, just trying to help them find anything that's particular to this transition age that, yeah. that might be helpful, even just connecting to a website. Do you have a, an example that you want to share of a student who's following the program? I know it's only seven years, but um, maybe beginning to end or as an example of what a you know, a successful transition would be to the working world? Yeah, I have, I have a student, um, I'm going to call her Tracy, and um, she started attending the SALT, the SALT team meetings about, you know, seven years ago. She still pops in occasionally, but uh, she had a wonderful family who kept in touch with Tracy's caseworker. So when Tracy turned 16, she went through the re-eligibility process. Her parents also attended all of the SALT meetings. And um, then when she was trying to figure out what she wanted to do, she was interested in Project Search. So they went to several open houses with Project Search. Um, The student also attended summer camp. I teach a summer camp for kids who want work skills. Um, this student also, you know, participated in her IEP meeting and did a lot of different things um, and just really had a good transition. She did attend Project Search, and I know, you know, caseworkers and myself, I'm the school-to-work person, I would attend these meetings with Project Search, stressing to them, hey, listen, just because, you know, you're done with Project Search, you know, in the spring, you know, you still need to complete your adult services paperwork because, you know, I won't be working with you anymore and neither will um, Lisa. So you need to transition now to have that adult caseworker and that adult employment navigator to check on you while you have your job. So along short of it, um, the student graduated from high school slash project search, got a job, um, works at Salvation Army, and she did get through that successful transition. She has an adult service and support administrator 
an hour world, that's a pretty word for caseworker. So that person has developed an individual service plan for her. She has some waiver dollars that help out with transportation. She also has an employment navigator who checks on her uh, with her job. So right. she, she is a huge success story because she made that crossover successful and she still has those supports. And it sounded like she was very engaged in her transition. She was, she was, she was engaged in her transition. And so were her parents. So Michelle, I haven't forgotten uh, about you, but there is uh, so much information in here and it sounds like it needs to be uh, talking with you and Patty before that, you know, it needs to stay up to date, obviously, right? The parents need to know where they're getting their information and what's the latest and greatest rather than having to surf the web for this stuff. Do you have any tips or any process that you go through that might be useful for other? Because I we do have so many other types of services that use binders for organization. And I wanted to see if you had any tips for them about how they go through this process of managing this enormous amount of resources in one place. I don't have any, any tips or anything like that. Um, you know, it's just as information comes in, it's just really important to stay on top of it and make sure it gets in the right location so that if someone does do a search, they can find it um, easily. One of the things that I admire about the special needs services is there is some fantastic information in all the live binders that you know they are sharing. But I was wondering if people have reached out to you that are seeing what you've done with live binders and have asked you for suggestions, help, guidance, or whatever, because they've seen what you were you've been able to do with live binders. There's been a couple counties that have wanted one for them. And we we started to work up trying to work something out as Tina knows, just helping them get started and then showing them how to navigate them. And then they kind of take it from there. You know, I see what you've done. I've seen what some of the uh, DHH groups have done. And then I look to see what my state's done and we'll go woke. Mm -hmm. And so that just makes, that makes what, you've done in other groups even that much more impressive because you're reaching a community that needs your services. And I just think that's marvelous. Thank you. And it's a it's an ongoing, like it's, it's constantly updating, constantly changing. Um, and a lot of times parents will come to me with a question. It's like, if I don't have an answer or if I don't know, I'll try to find it for you. Um, so we get... Like I said, we get military families. I've had them reach out to me from California, from Texas, from other, you know, they've been transferred to other bases. I've had them reach out from Virginia. It's like, you know, okay, we need to know about guardianship. What do we do? <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay, here's where you want to start. Here's what you need to look for where you're at, you know. And you're, then a just try. <laughs> you're a resource all in one person. <laughs> Well, between, um, yeah, the live binder has been helpful. We're trying to create some other binders, just trying to, you know, maybe isolate some topics or isolate some things or make, you know, trying to figure out what the need is and how we can work on it. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Um, thank you so, thank you so much, much. For, you. for sharing your wonderful program. Thank you. Thank you.